0: Hello. Let me add my welcome to you to worship with us here at Blacknell. Uh Pray you would know uh, God's blessing upon you as we got, gather together and worship today. Uh, we uh, long for the day when we be gathered together in one place, but until then, we know that we are gathered together in the Lord as His people, uh, and and we uh, look forward to that day. If you're a visitor, we're particularly glad that you are with us. Uh, please make yourself known to us. We'd love to get to know you uh, as we can in these days, so send us an email, uh, somehow get in touch with us, and, and we'd love to uh, have you become more deeply a part of our life together here in this congregation at Blackmill. We are continuing sermon series we began last week in the Gospel of Mark, and this morning we find ourselves in chapter 1, beginning with verse 14. Listen again to God's word to us. Mark 1, verses 14 through 20. After John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Begun this new series on the Gospel of Mark. The word gospel means good news. You know how people say, I've got good news and bad news? Well, today I've got good news and good news. But then I have good news, and at the end I have good news. Our text is good news piled on top of good news on top of good news. And this is, good news. this is good news for us because we need good news these days. This sermon will look at these four pieces of good news that Jesus tells us at the beginning of Mark's good news for us. And then we will conclude by looking at our, our, our two responses to this good news. So, do you want to hear the good news or the good news? Okay, I'll tell you the good news. The first piece of good news that Jesus proclaims to us is that the time has come, or that the time is fulfilled. The word for time here is the Greek word kairos, which means the the critical or opportune moment. It means the, the critical moment we have all been waiting for. It means the time that we thought might never come has come. It's like the governor saying, all restrictions are off. The pandemic is over. The time has come. It's like the pregnant mom saying, it's time. It's like the revolutionary singing, one day more. The time has come. In my Bible, I have a note entitled, entitled Happy Someday. It's from Kim, and she gave it to me on our wedding day. For months, we would reluctantly say goodnight to each other and sigh, Sunday. Jesus is saying to us, Happy Sunday. For over 400 years, the Jewish people have been waiting. For over a thousand years, they've been waiting for the one promised by Moses, the Messiah. And Jesus comes and says, The time has come. No more waiting. What we've been most desperately waiting for has come. And that is good news. This is good news because of the second piece of good news that Jesus gives. And that is, the kingdom of God has come near. This is good news because what we most desperately long for, whether we know it or not, is the kingdom of God. Is what the psalmist is singing about in Psalm 103 that we read this morning. Read it again. Look at, at the way which blessing upon blessing is heaped upon each other in that psalm. As he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and on and on and on. Blessing after blessing. The coming of God's kingdom is what God's people have longed for. It's what we long for. We long for God to come and make all things right, to fix the world and and to fix me. And Jesus said the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom is close, right next to you, because the kingdom of God is a person. We long for a person, for Jesus to be right here with us, making all things right. As we are stuck in the midst of our grief, our sorrow, our frustration, our heartache, we cry out for God's kingdom to come near. Today we are praying that the kingdom of God would come near, that Jesus would be right there with Deanna Koenig as she's in that hospital bed. Praying that Jesus would be there, she would wake up and be made completely well. It's what we want in our world. I was able last week to worship with uh, our brothers and sisters at St. John's via Zoom. And in that worship service, part of their worship service was sharing the stories of how they had had to face racism in their in their lives. Stories of growing up in Georgia, of working here in, in Chapel Hill, and of working in Connecticut, all across our country, places where they had been, where they had suffered because of the color of their skin. With them we cry out for the kingdom of God to come near. The good news is Jesus is here. He has come near. And that It's good news. The third piece of good news for us in this text is what Jesus says to the fishermen. He says, come, follow me. This is good news in many ways. It's good news because the very first thing Jesus does in his public ministry, after proclaiming this message of verse 15, the first thing he does is invite others to come along beside him, to be with him, to join him the first thing he does is to call together a community of disciples. From the very beginning, the story of Jesus is a story of community. This word is good news because it is is personal. Jesus was not like the other rabbis in the first century. Jesus didn't put an announcement in the bulletin and, and wait to see who might show up. Jesus didn't put an ad in the paper or, or post on Facebook saying applications being accepted for a position of disciple, a bright, young, ambitious new rabbi. No. In the first century, rabbis didn't go out and call people to be their disciples. Rather, potential disciples would approach the rabbi and give their credentials, and the rabbi would evaluate and decide whether or not they had the qualifications needed to be a disciple. Mark makes it clear. Verse 16 says that Jesus saw Simon and Andrew. They didn't see him. All they could see, or all they were looking for, was fish. They were caught up in their fishing. But Jesus saw them. He sees them and he calls them and says, follow me. Rabbis didn't do this either. Rabbi might invite you to study the Torah with them, but not to follow them. Can you imagine this? Peter and Andrew are only fishermen. They're young men, not elders, not wise. Can you imagine the thrill of Jesus calling you? Calling you out, singling you out, saying, you, follow me. Even now, I can't imagine anything more thrilling than Jesus calling me by name and inviting me to follow him, to go with him. Not just for lunch, not just for an interview, but to follow him, to be his disciple. What Mark is making clear in this story is that the initiative belongs all to Jesus. They weren't looking for him, he was looking for them. As one scholar puts it, the followers of Jesus are not a voluntaristic society for promoting good, but those whose business as usual lives have been disrupted by a draft notice. They are going about life as usual, and they get disrupted by this invitation of Jesus. A draft notice, but not an impersonal one. A draft notice more like Coach K saying, I want you, Dave Dunderdale, on my team. That is good news. And the fourth piece of good news is that Jesus calls us to important work. He says, follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. The good news is is that Jesus entrusts us with work that matters. You can stay here and catch fish the rest of your life or you can follow me and be catching people. A good friend of ours, Chuck Hill, was a millionaire by the age of 30. And then Jesus called him to follow him. He left his real estate business, sold everything, and went to seminary where I met him. But Chuck only lasted for one semester in in seminary. They didn't give him enough time to read all the books that he wanted to read. And he then went back to his hometown and spent the rest of his life Using the skills that he had developed in his real estate business, of being able to connect with people and using those to, to get to know his neighbors and making friends, and introducing them to Jesus, he found something much more important to live for than trying to become a millionaire. He took what skills he had and he used them, got Jesus used them for a great purpose. I have two brothers-in-law who, who have stories that are similar. One was a poor student in high school, not a very good student, and was trained to work in construction as a result. And when Jesus called him to follow, called him to follow him and then to, to teach high school students who were like he was in high school. And now he's designing the education system for a whole country in the Middle East. Or I can think of another friend who's following Jesus by using his skills in home repair to not just earn a living, but to embody what Jesus the carpenter must have done. God gives us so much more to live for. That is good news. What then is our response to this good news? Well, the text makes it clear. Our response is two things. To repent and believe the good news verse 15. It is two things that fit together. It's turning away from one thing, repent, and then turning towards another thing to believe the good news. I think Mark would be a great modern-day novelist. It's been interesting during this pandemic to to see the, the things that we all do to try to replace the activities we're no longer able to do. It seems that those of us who are younger have a deep sense that deep inside of us there is this great podcast or perhaps a beautiful blog that uh, we should be creating in this season. Those who are older, my generation, I think we tend to think that we had maybe a, there's probably a great novel inside of us. And so we're all at home trying to write great novels. I myself have thought this. In fact, I went so far as to to buy one of the courses on the teaching Company's great courses on writing great fiction. One of the rules of writing great fiction, if you didn't know this, is telling great stories is this, is don't tell me, show me. As in, don't tell me the character is shy, show me by writing a scene that makes that clear. Well, Mark tells us that Jesus said, repent and believe the good news, but then he shows us exactly what that means. He gives us this scene that lives out, that portrays exactly what repenting means. And believing the good news looks like. What it looks like is to leave behind your nets, to repent. Leave behind your nets. Turn away from your nets. Your boat, even your father for James and John. And we see that repentance is so much more than saying you are sorry. It means more than asking for forgiveness. It means leaving behind that which absorbed your attention before. And it means following Jesus. Because repentance and belief go together. I've talked about them as if they were two things, but really they are two sides of the same coin. Because you cannot repent if you do not believe. And if you do believe, then you will repent. You cannot believe the good news and remain the same. You cannot believe the good news. The kingdom is near and he's inviting you to follow him and then stay stuck in your same manner of life. Have you repented? Have you believed? If so, how has your life changed because you are following Jesus? How is your life different? Too much in the church. We have made it... Following Jesus being about Jesus being my best friend who supports me in whatever it is I do. And all the while, we remain focused on our nets and spend our lives looking for fish when He is inviting us to so much more, to leave all of that behind and to fish for people. We go on and on talking to Jesus about our fishing stories when Jesus has invited us to come and to follow Him. It is believing. Jesus said the kingdom is near and Peter, Andrew, James, and John were excited to see it ushered in. But it didn't happen right away. They followed him for three years and at the end of that three years there was Jesus on a cross. To repent and believe does not mean it's a straight shot to joy and victory and restoration. It means a cross. It means there are times when we cannot see Jesus nearby. But we still believe because it is Jesus and there is no one else like him. We still believe because we have been told already the end of the story. It is Lent, but we know Easter is coming. This story of Jesus calling his disciples has always intrigued me how did it happen? If we take Goody's advice and try imagine the movie scene of this, what did it look like? Mark tells the story emphasizing the power of Jesus' word. Jesus speaks, follow me. And men respond. They simply obey. They leave it all and follow him. How did that work? Were they just in awe of this man who comes up to them and says something and they say, I guess we have to do it, and followed him? Did they even know him? Was there just something about Jesus and how he spoke that they had to obey? Luke and John tell the story a little differently. They tell us that these fishermen had met Jesus before with John the Baptist in Capernaum. Were these fishermen men that Jesus had gotten to know? And so when the invitation came, they already knew him and were eager to have this opportunity to follow Jesus, to be with him. I think both of these stories could be true because we have both of these stories in our congregation. Some of us can speak of one event when God and Jesus became powerfully real to you and, and, and your life has never been the same since that one moment. When God spoke, and everything has been different since then. Others of us have grown up with this man Jesus. We have seen him and met him in all kinds of ways, through all kinds of people, ways that as we look back on them, don't or in the moment did not feel very powerful or miraculous. When we look back though, we see that it was indeed Jesus inviting us to one day. If you're like me, probably gently, unobtrusively, Jesus said, Follow me. And we too left all to follow him. Whoever you are, whichever it may be true for you, I have good news. Jesus is calling you. Follow me, he says. Follow me, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is calling you. Can you imagine anything more wonderful than that? Jesus is calling you. He wants you. He wants us. He's still pulling together this community of disciples to be with him and the important work he has for us to do. Will you repent and believe the good news Let us pray. Jesus, we pray that you indeed would make yourself more known to us, whether in that one life-changing event or in the gentle way you do it, make yourself known. May we hear your invitation. And Lord, may your word have its full effect on us, leading us to repentance and to believe the good news that our lives might never be the same. And Lord, help us to do this well together as your people, your community of disciples. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.